Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim. I know it's been a, a while since I've been on here. I'll give a couple updates at the end of the show of kind of the future of the podcast. If you do like the podcast, make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're also going to try to put this up on YouTube. So like, subscribe, share, please share. Uh, we'd love to get this podcast out to as many people as possible for what I think is really good analysis and updates on things going on in the college football world. We're going to talk a lot about the NFL draft on this episode. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Jordan Addison situation going on where he is uh, most likely entering the transfer portal, going to USC from Pitt, why that matters in the, in the broader landscape of college football and, and it will impact the big 10 it has to do with the with nil name image and likeness so we'll talk a little bit about that before we do that though i just want to get on here and just recognize what happened a couple weeks ago with dwayne haskins uh, the former ohio state quarterback former pittsburgh steelers and washington commanders quarterback who tragically passed away a few weeks ago because of a traffic accident. Uh, I want to talk briefly just about his, his legacy. You know, obviously as an Ohio state fan, he is someone that was a big time player for Ohio state. I think what's been interesting though, has been the chatter around his character. I, I think as he was in Washington, a lot of his character was, uh, it seemed uh, misaligned or, or defamed, I should say, for, for good reason. You know, there, there are some struggles in Washington. But I think the thing that's really surprised me is in spite of that, just how many people have talked about his, his compassion for people, his kindness, his love for the game of football, the way he was trying to turn his life around, the way he cared for his family, uh, the way he he cared for his wife and just some of the things that his his widow is is saying about him, and, and I say all that to say that there's just a lot you don't know about football players behind the scenes. You know, you you see them on the NFL draft and you see them play on Saturdays, and you just know the person as a player and you don't think of them as a person. And it has just been really helpful to see what his teammates, what his coaches, what his wife, his parents, his sister thought about him. And you realize that as, as he has left us, it, it is devastating. It's devastating, not just for fans and not just for teammates, but it's devastating for family. It's devastating for uh, his sister and his parents and his wife. Um, and it's just a reminder that death, death stinks. Uh, it is the reality that we're all going to have to face. Um, and so there's, you know, there's even that question of, of, you know, what happens after we die. And, and if you listen to the podcast enough, you know where I stand on that, that I believe there's a heaven and a hell and um, that, that Jesus is the only way uh, to heaven. And uh, by all accounts, that's what Dwayne Haskins believed in. And that a lot of people have credited him as a man of faith. And so my, my hope is that he is there, that he is uh, 
resting in paradise with with Jesus right now. And but it's it's a good reminder that we we are finite beings, and you never know when your time is up. And it is very sad. He was a couple of weeks away from his 25th birthday, and so my my heart goes out to him, to his family, to those who loved him. It is. I, I thought it was incredibly classy. I, I didn't get to see it, but I was grateful that even the NFL recognized his his passing at the draft, and just his legacy as a player. People don't realize this because he was followed by Justin Fields and then he was followed by CJ Stroud, but people don't realize he is really the, the catalyst for the current Ohio State juggernaut offensively. You look at quarterbacks past and there was just not much of a passing acumen, a passing history. And not only that, but he's still the current Big Ten record holder for yards in a season, for touchdowns in a season, really transformed how Ohio State attacks, transformed how they recruit at quarterback and receiver. So the, the legacy he's left as a player has just been remarkable, and he only did it in one season. But then I think that what you're seeing coming out is just his legacy as a person, which has is, is just been really really heartwarming to see not just as a fan but as a, as a person who really really does care about these players and really cares about um the the people who who play uh that they're not just bodies on a saturday that you root for but they're they're human beings they really are student athletes um so again my heart goes out to the haskins family uh and i hope that you guys Go, go back, even if you're not a Buckeye, if you're a Big Ten fan, go back and watch his season highlights in 2018. I know a lot of people will say, well, he wasn't that great in the NFL and whatnot. Go back and watch some of his highlights and, and realize that I, I think if, if he had lived I, I, and he were still alive, I think he was really going to compete for a starting job this year. Um, just the way he made quick decisions, the velocity on the ball, he, he was an incredible quarterback for Ohio State. And I, I really was looking forward to him competing at Pittsburgh. Um, so it is a, it's with a heavy heart that we, we talk about that. Um, so thank you to, you know, to Dwayne and to just for the, the memories. And yeah, it, it's a shame that we, that, that we have to say goodbye so soon. We are going to transition. It's hard to transition from that to football talk, uh, but that's what we're going to do. So the NFL draft was this past weekend. I was thinking about live streaming and, and doing all that on day one, but there are more important things. Uh, my uh, students at Bucknell, their seniors, it was their, their senior send-off, and that had way higher priority than me covering the NFL draft. So you're getting you're getting me with with whole NFL draft analysis, and we're going to do the typical winners and losers thing. But I, I want to start by saying this: I was so kind of thrown by this draft because after the first round, I, it was just very clear who winners and losers were. But as I went throughout the draft and thought through, okay, who actually won the draft and who, who actually lost the draft? It was actually really hard 
for me to pick out many losers because I, I think one of the hard things about this draft was the depth and the the lack of top end top end elite talent. So there weren't many can't miss prospects. And there weren't many prospects where, you know, I think there were a lot of really good, maybe safer prospects, but I don't think there was any one guy where I'm like, oh yeah, you have to get him. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson's a great example. He's picked number two for the Lions. Really good prospect. I think is probably going to be a 10-year pro, probably going to make a couple of pro bowls. But if you line him up against one of the Bosa brothers or Miles Garrett or, you know, edge elite edge rushers of the past i'm like uh i think he's gonna be good i i don't think he's a he's gonna be that great and yet he's you know he was in the running to be the number one pick and so a lot of people were surprised that trayvon walker went especially with his lack of production number one and i wasn't that surprised because i think trayvon walker has the potential to be much more like a Miles Garrett. It's just that he didn't produce uh, as much as Hutchinson did, it, did in his final year. Now, the caveat there is Hutchinson didn't produce much until his final year. So there, there's a lot of question marks about both those guys. I think they're both going to be good. I think Trayvon Walker probably has, has the potential to be really special. I, but I think there's, again, there's some unknowns there because part of it was he played on a defense where everybody was great. Like that whole Georgia defense. I think I saw that they had seven defenders drafted in the first three rounds. And it, it just goes to show that Georgia's defense was maybe the best defense in the past 30 years in, in college football. Easily the best defense I've seen in a long time in college football. So that, that that's a potential explanation for why his production was so low. But that being said, the, the first round was hard or the first round, it felt like it was easy to pick out. But then as you got further into the draft, I thought a lot of teams did really well late in the draft. And so I was upset at the bears for some of the picks they were making. And then I was, as I was seeing some of their drafts, some of their picks and some of their needs, I'm like, Oh, that actually kind of makes sense. It's not as bad as I thought it was. And, uh, the Browns, I, I didn't like some of their picks. And then I, as I thought about it more, I'm like, oh, no, they got some good value here. They just they didn't have any first round picks. So it was hard, especially to pick losers. And I, so I actually only have one team that's a loser. I have a lot of individual losers that we'll talk about. But there, there's a lot of teams that I thought did well. Um, uh, one team, I'm not, they're not in the winner category. But I'll say that I thought they did well, despite the fact that they traded their star receiver, A.J. Brown. I thought the Titans did well. I thought they had a good draft. I thought they made the perfect selection of Malik Willis in the third round. You know, I've been saying for months now, almost no quarterback should go in the first round. It's just a very weak class. Kenny Pickett went to Pittsburgh. Also, great pick. I, I thought that was a the smartest pick for Pittsburgh and, and for a quarterback for, for so many reasons. Um, I think Pickett's the most uh, ready to go right now. And they, they, they sadly have a need right now. So I thought that was a really good pick. It, it 
they have infrastructure around the quarterback position. So I thought that made a lot of sense, but I thought Malik Willis made a lot of sense in round three because Ryan Tannehill is a aging quarterback. He doesn't have many years left, but he has some time and he can impart some knowledge to Malik Willis. He's got great traits. And so I think Willis, he's the type of guy that if it plays out right, he could be a top 10 quarterback in this league, but it's going to take time. He's raw. He's not the most accurate quarterback right now. He is a slow processor. If you watch film on him, the, the people that thought he was going to go number two in the overall in the draft, I, I don't know what they were watching. I honestly don't know because as I watched him play, I'm like, he, he is telegraphing his passes all the time. He is late on throws. It was, it was ugly film to watch. And it wasn't just against Ole Miss. It was against Syracuse. It was against Eastern Michigan. It was against, you know, teams like that. But he, he had such flashes of brilliance. They were like, okay, if you can, if you can mold him, he, he can be a franchise quarterback, but he's, you should certainly not spend a first round pick on him. And it is perfect that he landed in Tennessee where they have great talent around him. Um, you know, obviously they have Derrick Henry in the backfield. They got Traylon Burks uh, in the first round as a, as a wide receiver to replace AJ Brown. My, my biggest pet peeve of the draft is they, they got rid of AJ Brown to draft Traylon Burks. And I, I get it. They're trying to save cap space, trying to not have to overpay. I understand that. But I, I didn't think that was the right move. Um, but the trade enabled another team to be, I think, the biggest winner of the draft, which we'll talk about as we get to the winners. And so let's start. We're, we're going to go right into my, my winners. I, my first winner, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, before anybody says they traded away their only good receiver and Lamar Jackson's ticked off, listen, Hollywood Brown has been a, a mediocre player at best for the Ravens. Now, I think he'll I think he'll do a little better with Arizona. You know, he knows Kyler Murray, he knows that system a little bit better. So I think it's a it's a good change of scenery for Hollywood Brown. So I'm not trying to say that he's a bad player. He just has not been very good in Baltimore. Like he just hasn't. And so I thought, you know, a lot of people are upset about the lack of wide receiver talent. But I thought for where they were in the draft and who they got, it was a brilliant draft because they shored up their defense and they shored up their offensive line, which just continues to strengthen their identity as a run first team that is going to pound you down and wear you down to the ground. Remember, they, they had like three running backs off of ACL injuries and they, they traded Ingram. So, you know, J.K. Dobbins is supposed to be the number one back, ACL. Uh, Gus, Gus Edwards, ACL injury. I mean, they, they were on, I think, their, their fifth string running back at one point this season. They're going to get those guys back. They're going to be healthy. And they, they really did a great job of solidifying. Their first round was phenomenal. They got Kyle Hamilton at 14, the number one safety. I thought could have been a top five pick, quite honestly. He's a, a, an amazing safety prospect at Notre Dame. And of course, amazing safety prospects go to Baltimore because Baltimore is smart. 6'4", 220 pounds, rangy as all get out. Um, 
I think that that is going to be just a, a dynamite pick. And then they follow it up and t- pick 25 with Tyler Linderbaum, who I think will be an all pro for 10 years. And, you know, you want to talk about being a run first team, uh, a gritty team, a team that's going to ground you down and you get the best center in the draft, a fantastic center prospect in Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. And then they, in early in the or in the mid second round, they get a guy who they they probably could have got late first round in David Ajabo, who I think is going to be a really good linebacker for them. So their first three picks were phenomenal, not just because it filled needs, but the value they got from it. And that that's a big part of of the draft and winning the draft for me is the value you get for the picks. And then to follow it up, they got Daniel Falele out of Minnesota in the fourth round. There were some mock drafts that had him in the late first round. I, I don't think that was necessarily good, but they nailed it. They, they got him in the fourth round. He's a 6'8", 384-pound monster. And again, for what they want to do, just excellent, excellent, excellent pick. Got Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State to be a compliment to Mark Andrews at tight end. Just really, really great draft. And again, they got Kolar at a great spot. Uh, they got Armour Davis out of Alabama. Again, another good value pick, another good corner. Um, so uh, honestly, I, I thought what the Ravens did well was they picked for value. They didn't, you know, they weren't swayed they didn't feel pressured to go out and get a number one receiver uh too quickly or too early and i really loved the ravens draft i thought they they did a great drop great job uh my second winner is the new york giants and the new new york giants i will be honest it's it's really just for their top two picks i i thought some of their other picks they reached a little bit um they got Wandale Robinson in, in the second round. That, that was a bit of a reach, but I understand they, they wanted a slot receiver and they wanted someone who could be quick, uh, quick in that slot position. And obviously they, they don't really trust Kadarius Tony. So I understood that pick. I thought it was a reach, but listen, the one, two punch of Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, you want to talk about building for the future. You have, I think, I still think he's the best edge rusher in the class. I know a lot of people would disagree, but I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau had the, the Justin Fields problem of he was hyped early and then people cooled on him. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the best pass rusher in the class. I think he's phenomenal. I, I still can't believe he fell to f- number five. And then seven to get Evan Neal, the, the, the top offensive tackle in this class, a, a brilliant pass protector. Uh, yeah, I, I think just those two picks alone, it sets them up for the future. In particular, I think it sets them up to draft a, another quarterback next year because I don't think Daniel Jones is going to stick around. They did not pick up his option. And next year, the, the quarterback class is going to be a lot stronger than the one that came through this year. So I, I thought – a brilliant first round uh, using their, their picks to get the, the top, I think the top players at their positions. 
in Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. So really good for them. I also, so the other, the other New York team, the Jets, I was very, very certain they would be my number one winner, uh, except one other team, I think, surpassed them over, over the course of the draft. But, which is crazy because I thought the Jets, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Jets were phenomenal in this draft. They're phenomenal. They almost, they filled almost every need. They get the best corner at number four in Sauce Gardner. They get the best receiver, in my opinion, in Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. They get a top three or four pass rusher in Jermaine Johnson, who a lot of people thought could be a top 10 pick. They get him at 26. They traded up uh, to get him, which brilliant to get him. They get arguably the best running back in the second round, a guy who probably could have snuck into the first round, but he, he fell to the Jets at pick 36 in Brees Hall. They get Jeremy Ruckert, a New York boy uh, out of Ohio State, um, grew up as a Jets fan in Long Island. They get him at the 101st pick in the third round. And, you know, they, they got Max Mitchell and uh, Michael Clemens late in the, or in the fourth round. So they didn't have a lot of picks, but they were top heavy in their picks. And my goodness, they have set up Zach Wilson so well. It is incredible how they did it. They got great, great defensive players. They got really nice weapons in Wilson and Hall and Ruckert. And they got, I thought, decent value. Not great value, but decent value in their fourth round picks. So a brilliant draft, which is not something you often say about the Jets. So great job to the New York Jets. And, and speaking of Garrett Wilson, Brian Hartline is a winner of this draft. Because if, if you didn't go, you know, if you weren't watching the draft, Picks 10, 11, and 12 are all receivers that have been trained at some point in their career by Brian Hartman, who is the wide receivers coach at Ohio State. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams all went back to back to back. And uh, Matt Miller, who works at ESPN, great mock drafter. Uh, he uh, tweeted out after that, by the way, wide receiver one is also being coached by Brian Hartline for next year. That would be Jackson Smith and Jigba. Night one of the draft was an infomercial for wide receive wide receiver training by Brian Hartline. And if if anything was proven, is that if you want to go high in the NFL draft as a receiver, go to Ohio State. That's that's my homerific moment of the Big Ten Football Talk podca podcast. Uh, <laughs> but my my last winner, and it's it's honestly it's not close, is the Eagles. Um. They didn't reach for a receiver at 13 when all the, the, the runner receivers went. I thought they could have they could have reached for Jahan Dotson, but they didn't. Instead, they decided to get, I think, the best defender available at that time, which was Jordan Davis, just a big time nose tackle, uh, athletic. You know, he got he was dinged a lot for his performance in the SEC championship game, but the dude's a stud. They got Cameron Jurgens out of Nebraska, who, you know, I thought it was decent value. He probably would have slid a little bit, a little bit longer. So they, if that was the guy they really wanted, that was great. 
Um, they got Nicobe Dean. This is the, I think the great, the great pick is they got Nicobe Dean in the third round. He was rated as the top linebacker in the class. And uh, there's some injury injury issues there, but he started every game for Georgia. He was the leader of that defense. He's a little undersized at 5'11, but I just thought it was a brilliant pick that they they pulled the trigger on him. And then of course, the reason why this draft goes over the top is they traded the number 18 pick for a guy who can be a number one or a number two right away, who has played in the NFL. Uh, he's a big time target in AJ Brown, pairs really well with Devonta Smith, I think. Just a brilliant, brilliant draft by the Eagles and, and great usage of trades as they traded the 18 pick to the Titans so that they could acquire the rights to AJ Brown. So really, really great pick. I, I think that really puts them in a position to, to set Jalen Hurts up well for this year to see if he is the quarterback of the future for them. So those are my, those are my winners. We're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back to my losers and then We'll talk a little bit about the Jordan Addison situation. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Losers of the NFL draft. No one wants to talk about losers, but I, I think there are some. Uh, not, not many teams. In fact, I only have one team that's really a loser. Um, again, I thought, I thought a lot of teams did well on this draft. So I, I'm going to st- – I'll start with the team I thought that was a loser – and it's the New England Patriots, which I hesitate to go this way because in three years I could be looking, at, you know, going back and listening to myself and be like, oh yeah, uh, Bill Belichick's smarter than me again. But I, I, I just thought it didn't, it didn't make sense. I, I didn't think they got great value. So I'll start Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. A lot of people were trying to say afterwards, well, he was going to go in the second round anyway. It was really good that they picked him up in the first round. Listen, you can tell yourselves that all you want. I, I don't, he wasn't going to, even if he did go, I, I just have a hard time taking a guy who's projected to be in the third round to, to take him in the first and to pay him that type of money. And then they did it again in round two with Tyquan Thornton. I, he's, you know, according to ESPN, he was the 18th ranked receiver. You know, he's a lean receiver. He's, he's, he's tall and lanky. Um, I, I just thought there were other better receivers on the board in round two. Uh, they got Bailey Zappi in the fourth round. Again, I, eh, like, you know, you could have gotten, uh, Sam Howell, uh, he won a pick later to the commanders. Pierre Strong at uh, from South Dakota State in the fourth round. Just a lot of picks where I'm just like, why? I, I just didn't understand their draft. I, I didn't think they got a lot of good value. They, they got better value later in the draft. But even that was suspect. You know, they, they picked a guy, Sam Roberts, out of Northwest Missouri State, a, a, a very tall defensive tackle. Uh, you know, he's not even rated in the draft rankings. Uh, they, they got a pretty good guard out of Michigan uh, in the seventh round, Andrew Stuber. 
but again, I, I just thought the value was just way off in this draft for, for what I think traditionally has been a very good drafting team. Now they could come back and surprise me because it's new England and they do this and you know, they, they're, they're very good in their track record, but I, I thought their, their draft was all over the place. I thought they could have gotten a lot more value if they had changed their picks and waited on, on picks. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, the other three, I have three other losers. The first is kind of more comedic uh, mock drafters. Uh, boy, did, did we suck? <laughs> we were terrible at figuring out who was going where. And I think that just, it speaks to the reality that this was just going to be a tough draft to predict. Dr drafting in general is hard to predict, but you just had no idea who was going to go where. And not only that, but as we found out, the amount of trades that happened throughout draft night just made things so unpredictable. So I thought that was, you know, that that was fun to kind of realize that we don't know what we're talking about. Mock drafters struggle. Um, Justin Fields was a loser last night. And I was, I was tempted to put the Bears. I actually thought the Bears had a good draft. The, the biggest issue with the Bears draft, though, is it doesn't set up Justin Fields to succeed. So they, they, they had, a, I thought the bears had a, a pretty good draft as I looked at it. You know, I thought Jaquan Brisker was a great pick for their defense. Uh, I thought their uh, Kyler Gordon uh, is an underrated corner. who's going to really be good for them, but I just, I wish I, I'm disappointed in their lack of foresight for Justin Fields. And it's just very clear that while I think the Bears are trying to get better as an organization, they just do not have the same vision that the Jets had for Zach Wilson. You know, they, the Jets were very clear. We need to get playmakers around Zach Wilson. We need to beef up the offensive line for Zach Wilson. And I don't think Zach Wilson's a better quarterback prospect than Justin Fields. And I've, I've maintained that in the, since the beginning. But what's really important for quarterback prospects is to surround them with talent. And they lost Allen Robinson in free agency. Their, their best receiving receiver right now is uh, Darnell Mooney. And the only wide receiver that they come out of the draft with is Vellis Jones Jr., who is, I think, an, again, an underrated guy, but he's 25. He's he's not going to be he, he's a decent prospect he's not great and they they need more speed they, they didn't really get any offensive linemen that I thought that I think are going to be capable starters at least at first you know they got Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah and uh, Zach Zach Thomas out of San Diego State uh Jair, Jatir Carter out of Southern but none of these guys are guys that really move the needle and it's just not a lot of help for a quarterback that needs playmakers around him and that really doesn't doesn't have any playmakers around him and doesn't have a good offensive line around him and so 
it's not to say that the Bears draft was bad. I actually, I, you know, if you think about it in uh, in what they needed, they got their needs. I just wish they would have prioritized offense over defense because I would rather them have to go into next year's draft saying our defense sucked, but now they're running the risk of getting their quarterback of the future hurt. And, and, and you know, we saw it with uh, Robert Griffin III back in 2012. You know, if you don't surround your quarterback with, with talent and he gets hurt, it can just derail the future for a young quarterback. And so I thought Justin Fields, I didn't think the Bears were losers necessarily. I thought Justin Fields was a loser uh, on, uh, during the draft. And then last but not least, and, and I, I hate to say, say this, but Justin Ross and Haskell Garrett. Um, were, I think, two guys that really lost. Uh, to my knowledge, Justin Ross still hasn't been picked up as an undrafted free agent, which just boggles my mind. And, and I know he, is at, he has really tough medicals, both with his spinal surgery and then with his, his feet. Uh, I think he has, has a long-term foot injury that really held him out. But, man, you watch the film... I don't know how you don't take a chance on him, but, and it's just crazy to me that we're talking about a guy who I remember watching him in the national championship game, just dominating Alabama corners in 20 in the 2018 national championship game. And thinking this guy, he, whenever he comes out, he's going to be the number one receiver. And now he's not even drafted and Haskell Garrett, he comes back. You know, he had a, a really good 2020 campaign, you know, really amazing story. Came back from getting shot in the face. Uh, he was breaking up a fight and he got shot in the face and he had an all-American caliber season. A lot of people thought he could be a top two round pick and he doesn't get drafted. Uh, and and I, I hate saying that they were they're losers, but really, you know, Garrett should have gone when his uh, his stock was high. And it's just a shame that Justin Ross and his uh his medicals are as bad as they've been uh, really disappointed for both of those guys. And there's, there's several other guys where if they had gone a year early, I think they would have got drafted higher, which it just continues to show that maybe you, you don't stay in college, which I know a lot of traditionalists will say you should stay for four years. You should stay the whole time, but listen, you know, Justin Ross couldn't be helped because he, he was, he wasn't going to be able to, leave anyway because of his 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 spine a lot of people would have been very very hesitant last year to pick him but Haskell Garrett is 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 a guy that it's just a shame that he didn't go last year because he probably would have been a top two top three round pick and instead he's an undrafted free agent so those are those are my losers I'd love to hear your thoughts on who you think winners and losers are uh, of the NFL draft uh, there's a lot more we could talk about but th that's just kind of my my snapshot into it. Last but not least, uh, Jordan Addison uh, is reportedly transferring out of Pitt to go to USC. And apparently the reason why, uh, again, a lot of it's rumor, but there's a lot of smoke to this rumor is that he has a $3 million NIL deal waiting for him at Southern Cal if he transfers there. And I have a lot of I think there's a lot of, of thoughts here. A lot of people are are being very snarky on Twitter about this. You know, Dan Wetzel, uh, 
came out with a, a pretty snarky comment. And listen, national guys who just cover this to get paid big bucks, they don't offer any insight into this. Guys like Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, those guys don't listen to them first and foremost because they 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 just want to get a story and they'll complain about anything and everything to just get a story that gets clicks and, and get tweets that, you know, that gets tweeted out. And it's, it's ridiculous. The, the problem, and I've said it before, the problem with this is twofold. It's, it, it's the problem of parody and it's the pop problem of integrity. And so there is the reality that college football should still be, have at least some semblance of amateurism. And as soon as you start paying players, you lose all sense, paying players like this, you lose any and all uh, semblance of amateurism. So that's one thing, but then also in terms of parity and integrity, USC right now is a semi-pro team. And they have gotten more players out of the transfer portal by setting them up with deals than any other team in college football. And you've got Texas A&M paying a million dollars plus per five-star recruit. It's, it's getting out of hand, but you have to balance it with the reality that NIL is a thing that needs to be, has to be something that we, we have for college players because of what just happened to guys like Justin Ross and Haskell Garrett. Right, Justin Ross, you know, if, if NIL were a thing his freshman year, Justin Ross is making probably a million dollars a year because that's his value. And yet now he's he's not even being invited to a mini camp right now. Now I think that'll change, but that is the the reality that something had to happen for NIL, and I I'm, I'm totally for the student athletes, but. This Jordan Addison situation continues this, this reality that there needs to be regulation. So let me, let me just start with a couple of things. One, I have no problem with Jordan Addison transferring to USC. Like there's no, I have no problem with it. Uh, I think the transfer portal is, is a good thing. I don't think he should be transferring there because he's going to make $3 million. I think that is a, a very, uh, shady way of you know they're they're saying well he's a three million dollar nil deal and i'm just that's just a shady way to set to basically pay a player a con a contract to be on your team for a year like that's that's really what's going on here and so at what point do we just stop saying that things are nil and it's just we're, we're having student athletes sign contracts and that's where this is, it's really fuzzy and where the, I have repeatedly said the NCAA needs to regulate this thing. Because otherwise, I mean, forget, forget what we have now where we have Alabama and like six or seven other teams. You're just going to have two or three teams that are elite and everybody else, else is going to suck. Like all the best players are going to go to two or three teams and we, we might as well not even play out the season. So I, this is a legitimate issue. I'm so grateful that Mark Emmert is st stepping down from the NCAA uh, 
as, as NCAA president or commissioner, whatever, whatever his title is. It's the thing, he doesn't do anything. So I don't even know what his title is. Um, they've got to get someone in there that's actually going to do the hard work of figuring out how this is going to work. Because otherwise, the NC, it's not just the integrity of college football that's at stake, it's the integrity of college athletics, which was already in question. So I hope for Jordan Addison's sake, I hope he gets paid, you know, and I hope he has a great season at USC if that's where he goes. But we need to, we need to, we need to regulate this so that everybody wins, not just the players um, and not just certain players, but like how can everybody win in this new NIL landscape and how do we preserve integrity across the sport? Because otherwise we are going to lose the sport. You know, people like Dan Wetzel and, and all those guys, they're, you know, they're saying, oh, you guys are just crying about, about things and you know, the integrity of this, or nothing, nothing bad is really going to happen. Listen, the more this changes and the more it becomes semi-pro and the more it's, it becomes concentrated at the top, you're going to get so many more games where nobody's going to care. And I mean, it's already getting that way. You're seeing that with the bowl games. And so something's got to change with this system. Um, that being said, I hope I hope Jordan Addison does well. I, you know, you can't blame USC. Like I, you know, they're exploiting the system, and you know, I'm grateful for teams that don't exploit the system quite like this. But you know, I I don't blame them. I don't blame you know, especially because they do need to re rebuild their program right now. But my hope is that this will be resolved. That the new commissioner, of the NCAA, comes in and or president, again, I don't know the actual title of the, or name of the NCAA head, but I hope they come in and, and fix this because college football is a great sport and it has the potential to be even, be so much better rather than start to deteriorate the way it is. So those are my thoughts. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, just a quick note. I, I don't know what it's going to look like in the coming months. Um, I thought I'd be able to post, you know, once a week, life has been crazy. And so my hope is that I can post semi-regularly. I know that the thing I'm going to commit to in the fall is to do my pregame, postgame and postgame podcasts, but I'm not going to commit to do much more than that just because I really, uh, I, I have other priorities. And so I love this podcast. I love doing it. But that's all I'm going to commit to in the fall. Um, and then as the summer, spring progresses and the summer comes on, I, I just don't know how, how often. So, so stay tuned. I'll, I'll post on Instagram when a new episode's out and I'll post on Twitter. But until then, uh, I'm not sure when the next episode is, but I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Hope you have a, guys have a great day. Enjoy the month of May. Take care. God bless.